0: Hello and welcome. My name is Alex Macphail, and this is High Performance Teams. I'm a former aerobatics display pilot from the South African Air Force, and I love talking about high performance teams. What makes them work and what we can all learn from them. In the show, we talk to race pilots, professional sportsmen and women, entrepreneurs, comedians, performing artists and more. Please enjoy and remember to subscribe. Well, good afternoon to you today, a special Heritage Day edition from High Performance Teams. My name is Alex McFale. I'm proudly wearing the Springbok Rugby jersey, the South African flag. You can see behind me too on my left-hand side here. I've got a very special guest, a friend and colleague from South African Airways. freak de Villiers and I served together at South African Airways for 12 years. He's got more than two decades of flying, a whole host of different flying types, and uh, continues to keep his hand in now. He's got a special skill and passion and a business which has grown into the main thing, restoring classic BMW motorcycles. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into passion. We're gonna get into heritage and our heritage shared at this point is South Africa, South African Airways. So let's get to it. Join me, ask your questions. You're part of the show too. Frick, very warm welcome. Thank you for joining. How are you today?
1: Hey Alex, thanks for having me And All good, nice day for Brian. So can only get better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lucky. You I've, I've
0: organized the children to light the fire at 2.30. So when we finish it, we'll just be ready for a quick cleanup, put some meat on and away we go for this afternoon. It's a special day. Heritage Day is a kind of special day
1: in South Africa, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah, there's, oh, it's gone dead now, but I've got a little iPad fire going here. So uh, yeah, I, I suppose sometimes we celebrate it for the wrong reasons, but uh, any reason to pray bri- is, is a reason to pray. Bri- so it's good that's good and I love your
0: man cave you were showing me around earlier before we went live some nice pictures nice memorabilia do you go and print these things do you buy these things how do you stock up such beautiful stuff
1: I yeah I, I, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a suppose call it a, a'm gonna say a rather a passion than anything else it's a bit of a sickness I, I tend to troll all the, the the classic stores what do you call it the um, uh, memorabilia stores and and you know that kind of stuff so quite a few around in Cape Town. I love just going around and 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 seeking things of 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 relevance and uh and uh, added to my cave no it's
0: nice it's a a nice cave and i see pictures of your airplane we're going to get to all these little things now too but uh let's just um for the purposes of the listeners joining uh, just frame this conversation so 12 years at south african areas we joined within a few weeks of each other uh, we did a couple of flights together. We did, our, I think, we did our first crew resource management course together. I don't know, eleven years ago. It was, it was a, it was a good journey. It was fun. And um, you have recently left, uh, so maybe um, that's a journey that I'm about to embark on. I, I have a couple of days left before I hand back my permit, but you have left, and uh, and that's where this conversation teed off the other day when I when I reached out to you, figuring out how it went and. So, before we get to the end, let's talk about the childhood dream i mean as south africans as as keen aviators, South African pilots as a kid you know wanting to fly south african areas was it that orange tail flying all over the world it was it was the dream
1: was the dream and still is eh it's uh yeah, you know as 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 well as I do it is probably the best airline to work for i mean uh, I hope our bosses aren't listening, but I have not worked. A, I have not worked a day in my life. So it's been fun and adventure since day one, and I guess that's what what uh, what it should be about, eh?
0: Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, so the idea, firstly, so the the concept. I mean, as a as a child, we're going to dig into your sort of approach to where you started with flying, and you got an interesting story. Also, growing up in Cape Town. Um, my father lived overseas and we traveled quite a bit as my sister and I were visiting and uh, I got to fly with South African Airways internationally as a very small unaccompanied minor. And I got to see that from the other <laughs> side. But, but this idea of, of being in a large, significant international airline, it's the second oldest airline in the world. And it was a privilege to get in. Uh, a lot of people wanted to and didn't get in. And, and we had the, the privilege of getting in and we enjoyed it. And then we got some people joining us. Here's Brianna saying, good afternoon, Bok and Bok. So, uh,
1: thanks for joining us, Rihanna. <laughs> so, we should maybe just say who she is. Uh, some people call her a travel agent, but uh, <laughs> she's the lady that uh, when she phones you, you know you're going somewhere. So, on standby or whatever, Rihanna will give you a shot and your life's about to change for the next three days or five days. So, hello, Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Okay. So, as a, as a child, I mean, you're you, you were obviously keen to fly, but where did it, like, as, a, as an adolescent, as the formative years hit, where did it kind of... Uh, so a shape up for you,
1: Yeah, Alex. I actually can't even remember. It's always been there. So it wasn't a day or an event or anything that triggered it. Most people say, oh, they went to the small plane when they were five, six, or ten years old, and they remember it. I really don't even know. It is, it's it's almost as if it was part of me since since the very beginning. And I do not have any aviation related related relatives or in the airline or anything like that. So. It's always just been there. I've always drawn airplanes, you know, built airplanes out of Lego. I remember, you know, I think my folks were quite keen to for me to just explore other things as well. And they'll buy me a Lego boat and I'll somehow turn that into an airplane. So it's going to end up flying. <laughs> um, you know, also, you know making little plastic model kits. And and then I was very lucky. My dad was quite big to radio control airplanes. So that, that is an amazing way to start off. Um, not just flying them, but building them. And if you do a bad job, it's going to reflect in your flying. <laughs> so um, it's always been just an amazing journey. And, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to, at about the age of 18, I think it was, final year of school, um, my dad could see that, okay, this is clearly, this is going somewhere. So he was quite keen on a project. He's always built crazy stuff, cars. and um, yeah. I suppose that's where the petrol head side of, of, of my life started. But uh, yeah, he, I just remember getting in the car and the big trailer and going to, I think it was Nalgum Sprite back in the day. Uh, okay. probably still eat all that unless it's had a name change as well. And, uh, he bought a Bush baby, very similar to the American Kit Fox, which okay. is a rag and tube airplane. And, uh, that's how it all started. We built it at home in the garage and that's basically, I did my PPL and it started flying that. It was just amazing. So, yeah, and you're right. I don't yeah. even know.
0: How I blinked when I'm here. So- <laughs> Twenty-five years later, and uh, you can looking back, and now you have your own little airplane and your own kids, and uh, and certainly we've got pictures of you taking your kids flying as well. So we're going to get to that too. More of our friends and colleagues are joining us. So I just want to say hello to everybody as they as they join us. Albert was on pilot's course to me. Albert, awesome channel. Thanks, friends, joining us. Gear up as we kicked off the show. Thomas is joining us. Ansel. Um, Adolf joining Jared Oliver, one of my first students in the Air Force, (laughs) my first flying instructor, hi Alex, how's it there? I'm Jared, Gideon, a man who we have both worked with before, thank you for joining Gideon, Uh, very well respected individual indeed, we had him on the show a few months ago and yeah so it's um it's been a journey and um okay so you you've you, you started young with your dad and he brought you into did he also fly i mean when you built this thing did he had he already learned to fly? did he learn to fly Never. He just built this airplane and Never. Let you learn to fly.
1: he's seventy three today and uh, you know he's a bit like a you know that when the dog hears the the car keys, it's the same when he hears the the hanger keys, then he's there and he he loves to join and fly and but uh, amazingly, he's never, he loves to build stuff, I suppose, and, and, and I just get to, to play with it and fly. It's amazing. Yeah, he's, oh never, he's never actually followed his, um, his aviation interest in, in that way. So quite interesting, okay. I suppose. isn't
0: yeah. but, but it's nice to be able to share that with you. You've got a bit of a common bond. You've built something together, and it's enabled you to have this life that you have now, and, and again, you share it on with your kids. So that's, that so is cool. quite amazing. Okay, so um, you, you get into flying, and, and I wouldn't say it's an unusual route that you took. But certainly it's a route, you know, getting into corporate flying is a route that um, allows you to fly high performance aircraft like jets, uh, high altitude, long distances. It's fast. And, and flying at a youngish age, you get onto Learjets. And I mean, I don't know all your aircraft type, but, but certainly flying fast corporate jets at a young age is it's quite an eye opener. I mean, it's not conventional, it, it's, but it is a great way of going and, and you, your career kind of ramps up quickly. So talk us through that experience.
1: I think if you speak to anyone doing their license now in Cape Town, they'll say it's still lie because it's amazing. Our aviation's changed in Cape Town, um, yeah. you know, not for the better, uh, corporate aviation specifically. But, um, yeah, you know the story. I'm, I haven't even asked you, but I'm sure yours is the same as most yeah. Oaks. You know, they say, what do you, what do you, uh, uh, what do you say to a, com- a freshly qualified commercial pilot? I'd like fries with that. So, you know, you, you're not going to get a job. You, you're qualified. You are legally a commercial pilot. Your hours are all the way down. Insurance won't yeah. cover you. It's, yeah. it's the most difficult barrier just to break through and get somewhere. And uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I just had to breathe airplanes. And I thought, well, the next best thing would be to just be at the airport. So instead of looking like a crazy lurker, I you know, applied for any job. And I was very fortunate to to actually work for, it was then called um, Cape Aviation Business Center, which is an FBO, a fixed-based operation. And they now call Signature Aviation, you know, a bit like ExecuJet, so a one-stop shop, uh, red carpet kind of deal. And yeah, I was a, a ramp rat. So <laughs> push aeroplanes around, clean clean things, push it around, and that evolved into helping out. I became a refueler for AirBP. Amazing. Just to be, yeah. you know, connected to these pilots and these guys flying these amazing jets and I loved it. It was it was you know it was amazing just to be around. And um you're always stuck on that side of the airport. You can't go to where the big planes are, you're not welcome there. So you just stay where the little ones are. And uh it, it turned out to be just something I took a keen interest in, maybe because exactly that. I wasn't around the big airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh but I get to play with all these corporate jets and you know, when the when the when the pilots and the owners go home, I go and sit inside it, pretend to <laughs> you know, spit on the wheel and flying it. And uh, it was just amazing. And the amazing people I met back in the day are still friends of mine, you know, and I think mm-hmm. they also see where, where I've come from in terms of not scared to work and do any job. Yeah. just has to be in aviation. So, yeah, just work my way up. You know, you take any job. And as you know, you're not going to get rewarded financially. You just do it. It doesn't matter. I get yeah. to fly along. And yeah. that's how it started. Flying, before you know it, you're on uh, a 210. That was my first uh, flying <laughs> And that was, the,
0: that was a, a Cessna 210. It's retractable, it's high performance. Some of them are pressurized. Is,
1: huh? that, that's a big step up for you when you get your commercial <laughs> That items. is high performance, man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to give you an idea, my, that, that's not even allowed now, I think, anymore. You can't charter on singles, um, you know, especially in IFR at night. Yeah. So um, that was my job. The, you know, the boss said to me, here's at 210, I need you to fly between Cape Town and Luritz. Are you serious? You're going to pay me for this? Fine, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. And, you know, some days uh, it seems like a nice day to so do it at low level. And some days uh, you, you go high level, which is 10,000 feet. But yeah. <laughs> um, that's how it started. It was amazing. Okay.
0: that's good now i want to highlight a specific point here which comes through i mean this is the 64th episode of this show now and i've spoken to some wonderful people and 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 there's a common theme that comes through which you you've touched on here and just to summarize it in the point that in the beginning you just show your keenness your attitude your willingness to work uh, you put in the extra hours you sweep the floor open the hanger doors you know you don't have to know what you're employed as but you'll do anything and that willingness and that that can-do attitude is the bit that shows you that you have the ability to go on and and that's why they offer you the next job on the 210 and before you know it you're flying corporate jets and and
1: you've built great relationships
0: amazing I mean,
1: that's, amazing that's relationships automatic. and uh I, I, you know they always say pilots are not you don't decide you're a pilot you are just it's in your nature it's it's you know my wife says it's the weirdest job uh you sit through the night in a long flight and you know, you come back and she says, but you've never mentioned this guy before. You know everything about him. You just share everything, you know. It's, it's, you're stuck in this tube for, for 16 hours to New York, wherever you're going, and, and you yeah. just cover everything. Um, yeah. And it's just amazing to see other people's perspectives. And, and mm-hmm. exactly that. I mean, I'm still friends with everybody that I worked for um, back in the, in the corporate days. And it's just, it's just, you know, I'm really, really, really lucky to have been exposed to that. And, and exactly what you say. My first jet so I, I you know, I got into turbines quite well, not actually that quickly, maybe two years or so, and yeah. for those um with a with a I'm giving my way of my age now, but an extensive <laughs> uh, aviation uh history will remember two distinct king ass that stood out, and it used to be uh, z s mum and z s Ben so yeah. if you don't know, I think they used to be known as two um <laughs> king Airs back in the day, they're so old. They were (laughs) the first two King Airs around and that was my first turbine and um, before I knew it, you know, I was flying uh, a Lear 45 and it just evolved from there to the most amazing corporate jets. Okay,
0: and and you're talking about those relationships. I want to just bring in a few more people. Tony Beamish is joining. Hello, Alex. Hello, Freak. Thanks for joining, Tony. Jared says he's in PE. Jeremy Thompson, he's obviously loving your story so far. Jeremy, you haven't even got into it yeah. yet. The wow is still coming. Maro saying <laughs> hello. Andy Bremner joining us from London. Greetings from London. Enjoy the bride. Another oh, great wow. colleague of ours, friend from the airline. We also had some great flights with Andy. Ian Finley, one of the head guys at South African Express. Ian is also working with me on another project. Afternoon, gents. How's it, Ian? And there's some banter going on between Ian and Andy, and Sandy Bain has joined us as well. How's it, Sandy, joining us? (laughs) It's a bit of a reunion going on here. Justin DeRook's joining us, Craig Mm -hmm. Wood, and everybody is chirping in. It's great to have have these comments. So bring in your questions if you have anything specific. Otherwise, this is going to be a a crew room conversation, and we'll just keep going. I want to fast forward a bit because you you got to a point where you you, we said before the show um, you got to. Having built the good relationships, being the ramp rat, as you spoke of, showing that you can work and building those uh, strong connections. Uh, Years down the line, if you drifted off and you came back, somebody offered you a job, not just any job, but straight away as the captain on a 737. Now, to put it into perspective for those who are not pilots or not yet pilots, a 737 was the dream job, wasn't it? I mean, a fluffy, man, a fluffy, and they're going to put you straight into the left seat.
1: Wow. Uh, Look, uh, I... uh Uh, uh, It's just, again, like you said, the people, one of the guys that I flew with on the corporate jet, uh, we flew a Gulfstream um, out of Cape Town, and, you know, all these jets were out of Cape Town. It's unheard of. It is the most amazing place to fly, as you know, and these jets and these gents. You know, you just fly these amazing people, and um, things get sold, and you move on, and, you know, pilots kind of scatter when when the airplane gets sold in corporate. and Mm. So uh, you find what you can, and you carry on, and, you know, and it was just amazing to – to get a phone call from him about a year and a half later. And um, I was, believe it or not, freelancing in Cape Town. I mean, that's probably unheard of now, you know, in this day and age. There's just no work. But mm. I was spoiled for choice. It was amazing. And uh, he phoned me one day and he said, uh, listen, would you like a permanent position? And, and he was with a company in Johannesburg, flying 737 200s. And I thought, you know, this, this is definitely a step in the right direction. So I said, when do I start? He said, well, come for an interview. And that was the next day flew up. And uh, you're yeah, halfway through the interview. Um, he said, "You know, but now um, you've flown all these corporate jets. Are you? Do you think you'll be you'll be you'll be okay running a, a charter? You know, like a, a charter airplane with 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 four or five crew in the back and going to weird, wonderful places as a commander?" And I said, "I was unaware that this is a captain's position interview." <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, uh, a, a lot of guys will, will remember Space Maria. I'm sure there's a couple of giggles in the background now. Swayze is an amazing guy. And uh, he was on the interview as well. And uh, he ended up doing my 737 training through Comair Sims. And then another to give you an idea, this is the kind of thing. You don't see Swayze, but he was at my bachelor's party. So it just that's how it works. Yeah. So um, it was just amazing. And, and I got an uh, opportunity to fly 737s and it was just It was unreal. So, uh, yeah, like you say, it's still the best airplane. You can actually put a case of B on every landing other than the (laughs) the 77, 800s we flew later on. This was a bit of a a hit and miss.
0: Well, Gideon, who's joining us on the show, was my instructor on the 77 on the freighter, the 200 and the 300, and that was a lot of fun. But mostly we flew at night and leather jackets and just two pilots doing cargo (laughs) runs, a lot of fun. Uh, And Brian Spurs joining us, hello, Alex and Frick. And uh, yeah, so guys, keep your comments and questions coming alive. We're gonna carry on the conversation. Now let's fast forward to where we are now in the same kind of stage and age of our life. And within the few weeks of each other, we joined this magnificent South African Airways. And uh, so you had come in having flown 737s, which I suppose is a, a nice sort of bed down experience coming in knowing that you might fly 737 again. It's a similar thing, different airline, but you got the concept of what it's about. I came off flying a, a, a PC-7 in the Air Force, you know, a small little single a two-seat, sure. uh, high-performance airplane, but small and very basic in terms of systems onto the A as 340 as a boy pilot. But uh, tell me about that start, like, you know, the dream job. Welcome, you're coming in and you jacket and tie, sure. and you get issued your uniform and this is it, walking down the corridors,
1: meeting people like Cork, etc. And, yeah, no, look, it was actually a little bit surreal. I'll go back a little bit before that even. Um, two years prior to, I'm sure, we all wasted many trees um, constructing CVC. SAA. And uh, I, I clearly remember, um, you know, having an interview with SAA and I went, did the psychometrics, did the sim test, did everything, and they never phoned me back. And I thought, well, clearly I sucked. So, you know, you just kind of carry on with life. And um, I was flying corporate jets t- at the time then, and I then got this job flying 737s out of Johannesburg. And I'll never forget it. We were, doing a, um, we were coming back from a place called Lachinga in um, northern Mozambique, and we came.
0: Uh-huh. All right. We've got a bit of tech issue there. Let's see if you can join us again. I see uh, John Foster Pedley is joining us well. That connection makes its way again. Let me do... Uh Let me do this for now. Okay, so John, thanks for joining us. John Foster Petty, the Dean of the business school, Henley Business School in Joburg, which is a prestigious MBA program, one of the best MBA program the last couple of years, and also had a great chat with John recently, last couple of weeks, months even by now. Hey, Alex, interesting. Thanks. Yeah, it is interesting. I hope we get the freak back on the line. And uh, we've had these kind of hiccups before. So before we make any premature movements of canceling the show, let's just give him a chance to connect back in once more. Ian, I know your question is coming there, and it's for uh, Freak, So let's see if we can get Freck back on the line, yeah, quickly. Oh, he's going. Let's see. He's just resetting his phone and, and coming in from the beginning. <laughs> John, it's been fun. I hope you are sitting with a, a glass of wine or a beer, and your are and not working. I know that you guys have been working feverishly at the last um, the last gasp during uh, creating online content for the the business program with uh, the COVID situation. Let's see if uh, Freya can join us again once more. We can go back to some of the earlier comments. So Ian, you made a comment earlier, too, about ramp rat route teaches aviation from the ground up as well as humility, appreciation, and exposure to different types of folks. That's it, exactly, Ian. And uh, and it really is It's it's a common theme that I see with these people, these sort of high performers, that y- you learn the humility from the ground up, but you also learn the roles as you go, too. And uh, and sometimes if you get, get in too high up early on, you, you might – miss out a, a critical step of understanding what the people are up to on the ground level. So yeah, I agree with you completely. It's a, it's a good approach to get people uh, into the system. All right, we're still running through some tech gremlins there. Let me just check in if uh, you can get in on the phone call side. All right, just give me a moment. Just check in with him on the phone, see if you can join us once more. Frick is joining us from his um, motorcycle hangar, which is what we're going to get to. Look at these great uh, pictures of motorbikes that uh, he has restored. And this is a part of the conversation we're going to get to now. He has a contract with BMW to be the sort of lead partner in classic. Ah, uh-huh, there he's coming back into dream. How's it, Freak? Are you there again? Are you with us? I'm busy uh, showing off pictures of your motorbike. Can you, can you hear back. There we go. Okay, cool. Glad we got you back there. <laughs> I am with you. Awesome. Okay, Freck. Um, uh, so there's lots of comments coming through. People are enjoying it. Uh, we've got the dean of the business school, of Henley Business School, which is a, a you great
1: MBA program. You well. that the, um, yeah, you're so, welcome. So now we don't have the to touch on technology, hey? Eh? If it doesn't work, turn it off, turn it on. That's <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. But you were saying so. We. I mean, we all went through that journey of putting in lots of CVs, didn't get in. But uh, and then, what was the the next stage where I lost you there?
1: Going through a mountain of trees, two guys. But I was sitting in the crew bus, and I got this. Um, I, I was sitting in the crew bus, and uh, and I got a call from one of the the. We all know the big cheeses at uh, at SAA. One of the big instructors, and he phoned me, and, and he said, "Hello." listen, do you still want the job with SA? And I thought, you've got to be... I said, really? Who's this? Who's joking? And he said, no, this is uh, Captain Dennis Spence playing a joke. But uh, he said, yeah, we'll send you the information now. And, uh, yeah, I went to the interview and um, I looked a little bit, obviously, befuddled and, you know, so they said, are you okay? I said, no, I'm just, I'm just curious. I was in the same room two years ago and um, I thought I wasn't good enough and here I am. And they said, no, we just that intact got canceled. We never took people. And, uh, and, and here we are again. So going through the old, uh, the list. So yeah, let's, let's just uh, do another interview and another subject. So it was all surreal and plan halfway through the night over the Atlantic or somewhere 10 years later. And you think, what? Wow. so it's quite something.
0: It is, it really is something. Okay. So we, we lost you a little bit there, but I got the gist of it, this idea that you called in for a second interview and, uh, and yes, that was a common occurrence. Some people had uh, six years between the interview and actually joining, and you know that's the ups and down stories. But but even those people will tell you it's been a it's been a, a surreal journey, and you can just see the people that are tuning in and making comments now. It's been a wonderful journey in South Africa Air. It's really a great place, and and that's why we we moved the show to Thursday, thinking we'll make this a bit of a Heritage Day celebration of the airline. And and just um, you know we've had a couple of flights together. I think we did a. Frankfurt flight, uh, Munich, I can't remember, it was a Germany flight, probably Frankfurt because that's where you go for your motorcycle parts (laughs) a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, it's talking about staying awake and talking. Yeah. And so tell me about the motorcycle. So let's get into that. Uh, So seven or so years ago, you decide it's time to start uh, tinkering around with motorcycles. How did that start? Obviously, you like building things, but why BMW motorcycles and why airheads? Where's the passion in Um, that?
1: You know, it actually goes back a little bit more than seven years, um, a little bit more, but I, I remember my wife fell pregnant with the first one, and uh, I said, to you know, I obviously need to be home. I was on the domestic then, flying for SA on the domestic. I met her on a SAA night stop, by the way, my very first night stop in SA in Cape Town um, with old Trevor Bernberg, another legend in the airline. So, uh, yeah, he said, it's Cape Town, it's where you're from, so you organized the party, and we ended up going out a whole bunch of friends but um uh yeah it was i remember she felt pregnant and i said look I, I need to start a little project of some sorts just to be at home and 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 you know just also be out the way so <laughs> I, I i i just went through the classifieds you know you kind of look for i've always had a, a love for motorcycles i could ride a motorcycle before i could ride a bicycle and i've okay. still got that very first 1979 model bike um right. but um I uh, I just you know and and looked at what was for sale and what I could afford and and this classic BMW just popped up and I, I looked at this and it, it wasn't a great model it in, uh, it was in fact in 1979 same same as my birth year so I thought there's a connection that mm-hmm. seems pretty cool and uh ironically that's the exact same engine that we put in the plane I was talking about earlier we were the first people to stick in a motorcycle boxer twin um, thousand cc box it twin into an airplane, so okay. um, there was a bit of a connection. So I thought, hey, this is the, the writing is, you know, the signs are there. So bought it and then just kind of started chopping it and doing my own thing and out, you know, from my from my uh, garage at home and uh, loved it and then started riding it and and I was stopped by a couple of people saying, listen, do you want to sell your bike? I'm like, no, not really. But uh, where did you get it from? And so, you know, I built it. Well, can you build me one? And that's really how it started. Um My dad had then recently a couple of years before that retired, and um I said to him listen i can 't do this on my own come let's let's let 's do this help me out and I pulled him out of uh, retirement if you want to say so and um and we started just doing these classic b m w motorcycles yeah. um we a lot of the stuff you just don't find people being able to help you, like um you know rebuilding carburetors and lacing wheels and that kind of thing, so it just got to a point where I just gave up asking and just figured it out myself. You're the aficionado. I don't know if you can still see the screen. I
0: know we have some tech issues, but yes. there's the a blue motorcycle. Okay. So is this, is this an example of one of the earlier ones that you got involved in, or is it evolved? Or maybe just talk us through this, this example here. You know, what kind of state would it have arrived in, and what's the stuff that you are a specialist at, and then you do detailed paintwork, et cetera. But tell me about this story on this one.
1: Yeah, so Alex, basically we do absolutely, absolutely everything here, except uh, we don't have the facilities um, to, um, to powder coat, which we don't do anyway, because none of these bikes were powder coated back in the day. So we don't do powder coating, and we don't do chrome. So the chrome we outsource, other than that, it rides in here, and it, it leaves like you see it in the pick. The one in the pick is a, a 1974, um, uh, called the Slash 5 or the 5 Series BMWs. And yeah, exactly what you see there. Absolutely nut and bolt restoration. Everything is rebuilt from the uh from the entire engine. Um, the paintwork is taken down to the bone. I've got a spray booth upstairs. And it was just me. I was a I was a one-man band, just a, a passion. And you know, people started phoning me saying, just like I couldn't find anyone doing the work, they would phone me and say, Can you help me? Uh not really, but okay, and and you do the first kind of uh month or three for free and then you realize you know maybe there's a bit of a business opportunity here. so you know you just start off small and it was it was really just me until about two years ago um and then uh, yeah i woke up one day and my wife said you have too much stuff something's got to go um so i didn't at the time think she meant the motorbikes but anyway so so, yeah, I just moved to a little factory, and, um, and, and then we started building there, and it's just been, I don't know, like my flying. You just wake up and you've got all this stuff. Yeah. And, okay, um, I'm going to pause you
0: there, pause you there Vic, because you, you you're mentioning so many things that I want to zoom in on, but before I do that, this picture I now put up, I'm highlighting it. It's a, it's a great pic. It shows the detail, but, but if I remember correctly, you told me you paint this black line around the tank by hand. Is that right?
1: We do, yeah. I, I try and stay as close um, as possible to, you know, the day it left Munich. Um, and, and one of the things, obviously, uh, I think the biggest difference is it used to be ladies. Ladies have got a steady hand and an eye for detail. But you just mm-hmm. don't find signwriters anymore and you can't spray that in. Well, you can, obviously, but that's not period correct. So, yeah, you just end up teaching yourself whatever you need to know. And um, and exactly like you say, yeah, we it's painted. And when it's completely painted, then... I add the little badge and the the side, like you see there the the toolbox door, and then uh, that gives me perspective on where the line should go and and then they just get painted on afterwards exactly like they used to be back in the day,
0: yeah but it's amazing, and the detail is there, and it just really it highlights to me the passion that you have for this because that that's not just someone doing a little job that's a major job you know to make make sure it's neat i mean i don't I don't think I have a steady enough hand for that kind of work, but the better <laughs> wanted to highlight before the better one to highlight was. Okay, so you make this, uh, this first project, you've it's, a success, it's a success, clearly. You're driving around and people are asking you about it. And then somebody asks you to do one for me, and then it's another one for me, and those are for free. But the third time this thing comes across your desk, then you realize, hang on, there's something else going on here. And that's really the bit that we've, I think, over somewhere over Algeria, we were talking about this uh, a couple of years ago. And it's the bit that stands out when I, when I think about you and, and this project. I mean, as a 16-year-old at school doing maths and science, you didn't think about one day having a classic BMW restoration business, but here you are today. Life's taken a different journey. You've left South African Airways. This was a passion that grew into a business, and now it, it's, it's the main thing, and you have contracts you know, going two years in advance. So just talk me through this idea of when someone's knocking on your door, how do you recognize it, and then what steps do you have to take to action it? I mean, just because the third person knocks doesn't mean you can make it a business. You, there's a whole different skill set now required once you've recognized
1: it. I suppose I'm a bit of a slow learner. It was way more than three knocks. Um, you know, I I just kept I just kept going and and but like you say, the passion takes over, and you just want to help everybody and just get these classics back on the road. But the main thing for me, and it still is, uh, people will come in. Um, you know, they walk through the door and ask me um, about you know, can you can you restore my motorcycle or and and immediately I don't go there. I I just say no. Before we get there, where's this from? Whose was it? Do you know who owned it? And it's nine out of ten times an absolute amazing story you know they'll say it was it was my father's or my grandfather's and he used to visit my mom in and used to drive you know 800 kilometers and it's just amazing stories and then then i'm interested because now i'm actually yeah. you know reviving history and 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 family you know and and that's amazing so so yeah, that's that's like you say tied with with my flying. I my suppliers are in Germany, so I became a bit of a German Germany uh, regular, <laughs> as you may know, as most people in the airline know. So um, yeah. so I just loved it going there, meeting the guys that I always ordered parts from, and um, just an amazing relationship, you know, with them as well. And then uh, yeah, getting the stuff sorted and shipped back, and what I can, I will bring back if possible, and. Uh, yeah, here we are, we've probably done about, in, definitely in excess of 100 motorcycles, all BMW, all classic. So, wow. I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm not quite sure how uh, how how it all came about and, uh, and, and how we got okay. here, but it's just, every day is fun. And if it's not fun, uh, then we don't do it, as easy as that.
0: Okay, so Ian wants to know, how long does the restoration take, Rick, of these motorcycles?
1: So, Ian, it's, it's mainly parts-dependent. Um, we, so we've got a bit of a system, so maybe I'll go back one and tell you what we do now. Um, cool. we, obviously, you, you strip it down to, to the last nut and bolt. Some of the stuff's hidden. You can see that's torn, that's broken, that's perished. It needs replacing, uh, which we replace most of the, the, the perishables, as I call them anyway. Um, but, you know, you might open the, the engine up and see that there's, it's in need of a new whatever it may be. Um, you know, a conrod or a crank or a a piston or this or that. So those things are hidden. You'll only see it when you take it apart. So what we tend to do is do a restoration, and then about two weeks or so before I go to Germany normally, uh, which is every week, um, <coughs> we will trip that bike to the to the absolute last knocking bolt and make a list of everything needed, and then I'll fetch it and we come back. But we've gotten to a point now where I am. Extremely well stocked, and I'll say it with absolute confidence. I know that I'm better stocked than BMW itself um, in South Africa. I just they they oh. don't specialise in classics at all. We have an amazing relationship with them. They send all the classic work to us, so um, so I'm I'm fairly well stocked. I know exactly what's needed um, generally. So so that we've got, and then um, I would say it takes about obviously with SAA three days off between flights. That didn't help much. But right now, mm. doing this as a full-time-going full full-time going concern, you know, this is it. Um, typically, it takes about, uh, I'd say, two months. Um, okay. Also, we work on different projects at the same time. And while you're painting, somebody else brings their paintwork in. They just want that done. So I'm unfortunately the guy that paints as well. So that slows it down. However, we had a guy walk in last week, Monday and uh, he just purchased a 19 early 60s BMW and it was still on the trailer and he stopped here and he said look I believe you've got some parts just walk out with me and just see what we've got what we need maybe you can supply Mm it Um, and and funny enough he's an uh, ex-aircraft engineer from way back Um, Joe because I don't know him but a bit of a retirement project I suppose and then uh, we made a list and he came inside and he saw what we do for the first time and he he said, Do you restore for other people? I said, Yeah, oh, well, that's part of our business. And and he just said, take it off the trailer. It's at, it's at the right place. This is it. So um, yeah, I ended up doing the job for him and uh I sat down and he said, as long as it can be done by the end of October, it's quite a special date. his son's coming home, and uh we said you know, we like the challenge, and we ended up um we I'm sitting here right now and, and the guys are busy inside. Um we will most probably finish it today if not today then um then tomorrow but uh, that would be a total of 14 days so it was a challenge for us to see if we do nothing else just do that how long will it take and it seemed to be about uh, two weeks then it's all done okay
0: all right well that's great Hang
1: i mean uh, nuts and bolts restoration in two weeks with
0: personalized detailed painting that's amazing that's uh that's really good going i lost you I'm saying, so the two-week program is—that's uh, an amazing turnaround from in and out, uh, including painting in the works. That's uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, oh, I think you've gone quiet again. While he goes quiet, let's add some of your comments there. Um, Rihanna joining once again. Two gentlemen I've had the utmost respect for, and what a privilege to have worked with both of you. Thank you, Rihanna. SA surely didn't make a mistake to employ you. Tons of love. Well, thank you, Rihanna. We enjoyed working with you too, and. Um, uh, Tony Loeb is joining us, uh, Tony. Uh, in fact, that the clip that you saw at the beginning of the show uh, where we flew into Tarbes, was the last time I flew uh, in South African Airways and we were on a trip to oh, wow. Europe with Tony. And uh, we, we spent time in Germany together and we spent time in quarantine together. We flew together. The, the flight before that went through to... Um, to the Philippines together. So thanks for joining, Tony. He's also put me on to some great guests as well. And I Freak, awesome talk. What has been your most memorable restoration?
1: Um, Tony, I'm not actually sure if there's a specific one that stands out, to be very honest. They are, and I say this to the clients as well, every single one that I restore, I treat as, as, as if it's my own. So the amount of love and care and, and passion that goes into them are exactly the same. Um, I'd say, um, it's more important to me to see, you know, the guy's reaction when they take it or when they phone and, and and you build up this amazing relationship and the guys come and visit you a month or a year or whatever later, and they come and show up their restoration. That for me is what it's all about. It's, mm. it's about, um, you know, connecting people again, especially I see a lot of family, um, you know, d- dads and grandfathers and, and that kind of thing connecting through this. So I think that's more special for me than actually the motorcycle itself rolling out. And, and that's, again it's a passion so um one that would stand out honestly I'm, I'm sitting here thinking there's there's not a single one that stands out they're all equally amazing for me no oh, that's awesome frick and i can i can hear the, the passion in your voice the, the
0: idea that each each one is a it's a journey in itself and and I, I love that that that's your approach you so when this this vehicle arrives and you start uh, talking to the owner about it you know they're sharing a piece of history because generally the 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 uh, aircraft the motorcycle is around 20 30 40 years old and so it's got a life story and the fact that it's still alive as it were uh, you can now dig into the story and understand where it's been and what it's been up to tell us about some of those stories that, what
1: stories stand out yeah well well it's funny you mentioned because every single one that we do back in the day the ladies in munich that did the pin striping, they would sign the underside so i do the ah. same on all the body panels i actually sign it Um, you know you'll never see it unless you take it off but uh, for me that's quite important like you said I leave my mark on it and um, yeah I I, it's just I I can relate to flying I mean we've we've got the most amazing colleagues and friends I've never met such a bunch of gentlemen in my life really I I doubt if there's an industry in the world that has Mm -hmm. got that and um, they're really genuine people and I see a lot of that you know with this it's it's amazing i've never had once never once had anyone ask me for a detailed invoice or you know give me proof that you did this or did that it's it's just on trust and you know um a bit of my marketing tool is you know people say to me yeah but how do i know how do i know and i say to them go on to social media I always if i restore back for 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 alex then i will say is this is you know this part of restoration and and usually Alex will comment somewhere in the comments and I say to people, go there and, uh, you know, instant message or direct message him, ask him his experience with the restoration because there's mm. no point in me telling you how awesome it's going to be. Speak to the people that's been through here and whether they do it or not, I don't know. But, uh, you know, that's how I do business. It's, it must be yeah. for itself.
0: But that's amazing as well, because this is, this is branched where uh, it was segue into a conversation that we had the other day. So you know, I'm, I'm about to embark on a new journey too. I've already started something new outside of South African areas, and next week I'll be handing back my permit and things so it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster at the moment. But, but social media has allowed us, which is what I'm focusing on in my business now, has allowed us to connect with people, firstly all over the world, but also directly to business owners, to previous customers, where if you were to rewind the clock 20 years. How does that customer find a previous customer? It's not so easy, but now you can. You can just go to the website. You can see who's commented, ask them the questions, and that sort of instant connection with photos, with detail. It really is amazing to to
1: have that as as a as a resource at the moment. Um, to give you an idea, uh, I, I hear you, and I mean we all complain about social media and our kids and iPads and Minecraft and all those things that rob them of most of their day, but it's it, it's got so many good things to offer. And um, you know, the Federal Aviation Authority, the FAA in the states. I fell off my chair. I, you know, I bought this 1941 Piper Cub a couple of years ago, and um, it has a serial number like a car or you know a motorcycle. And I I just sent it to the FAA, and I said, um, you know, this is the serial number. And, and and interestingly enough, that exact cup that you've got. Shown there um, was previously owned by Colin Gibson in oh, SA. A great, SA, great individual. Oh, wonderful man! Yeah, I didn't even know. Um, and before him, I believe another SA guy. So yeah, these airplanes. You know, they say you never own them, hey? You are just a custodian. custodian they will yeah. get passed on, and they'll make other families happy. So um, it was it was quite amazing to to just send this to the FAA. And I said, look, if you've got anything, uh, again, this is my passionate side coming through wanting to get as much as I can information on the on, on airplane's history. And they sent me, I think it's about a three-page document, on where it served in the American war, the month it left the factory, even a photo attached what it looked like when it left the factory. And it was just, wow. You know, it's, it's mm. this is maybe why I'm into classic airplanes and classic bikes because there's a story. It's, it's yeah. got soul. That's basically yeah. it.
0: I think that that really is the, in your DNA, Freak, the way you describe things, you, you clearly do like to understand the background and the meaning. And, and it also reminds me a lot of, of Gideon, uh, who was commenting earlier. You know, he also, he doesn't look at an airplane or a vehicle or a thing. He looks at the story behind it. What does this mean and what has it done and who is, whose lives is it in touch? So on the back of that, and I know you're a you're passionate family man too. You're passionate about old classic um, vehicles and aircraft. But, uh, but tell me, you told me about this camping trip, and, and this was coming up in two weeks' time before, we flew two weeks before this photo was taken, and you were, you were in anticipation of this event coming. Tell me about this photo and what it means to you taking your son camping. Was it the Tunkwakaroo?
1: It, it was, but Gideon Langeveld is actually a part of the story, believe it or not. So, <laughs> okay, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, Gideon and uh, his brother, um, you know, we flew with, with Chris Langeveld, uh, very respected individual as well two amazing brothers and uh, uh chris and i um we got along famously i mean we a job trip from cape town was way too short for our chance and uh chris was an amazing restorer Um, um Gideon can confirm this but i think he even restored classic mercedes models for mercedes sa so um yeah chris wow. and i obviously hit it off with, with that respect but they owned a Piper cup as well and um it's also yellow same story and uh, when I flew with Kideon, I started chatting and, you know, Kideon, why must I buy a cup? And he said, let me start. And uh, <laughs> the search started for, for, for a cup. And then one day, Kideon found me and he said, phone this guy. He's got a cup, and I believe he's selling it. And I phoned him and he said, no, he's already sold it, sorry. So um, eventually, about two years later, I found another cup. this one that I own. And uh, I don't know why, just guys being guys, I just texted him and I say, well, guess what? I finally got my cup. Um, you know, kind of like I had to look for his number. We haven't spoken for two years. And, and I've never met the guy. Um, and uh, he actually flies for for SAFE. And okay. uh, he didn't know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, the two, he just wrote me out the blue. And he said, so what's your plan with the cup? I said, oh, I don't know. I'm going to enjoy it and fly it and you know, expose my kids to aviation. And he said, OK, well, like you mentioned, now two weeks from now, um, let's just fly somewhere. I'll send you, I'll send you a pin. And he just <laughs> gave me a location pin, which wasn't a location. It was just a, a pin. And yeah. um, he said, just fly, that. just fly there. I'll see you there. And um, I, I put my son in the airplane and we flew there. Um, it really is like landing on the moon. There's nothing. It's the tankwa Karoo, a um, very special place uh, for adventure yeah. motor- motorcyclists and also aeroplanes uh, pilots. And, um, yeah, we landed there. And there is a little um, – I made a little YouTube clip of it. And we landed in the in the tankwa And in the clip, my GoPro is on the wing and you'll see um, a guy walking up just after landing. And I open the door and I shake his hand. And that is when I met him. I've never seen him before in my life. And, you know, we we just got the kids to his son's the same age. We got them to collect a couple of pieces of wood and from the bush. And we made a fire and together we solved the world's problems. You know, it's just pilots on the sand. We are, I don't know if we're very interesting or very simple. But
0: uh yeah, so was this the, the person that you met? The person that you bought the aircraft off? Is that who you're talking about? that you meant
1: No, he owned he owned one, and I tried to buy his, but he had already sold it on. So um, uh, uh, okay, uh, yeah. So um, so yeah, it quite funny. I mean, you could just see that he's an amazing guy as well, and uh, he's with with a local airline. And okay. uh, yeah, we still chat, and and our you know our sons keep asking us when are we going to do this again, and it's just so, amazing. Know, we sleep under the stars and uh, mm. drank some whiskey and, and, and just figured life out. So it's pretty easy. No. Yeah, very good life. Well, I mean, you,
0: you, the, clearly the, the passion comes through in, in stories and in, in the detail that you put into the, um, to your, the projects that you get involved in. So now let's fast forward a little bit. And I just I really want to just get a sense of, I don't know, when was it for you? Was it the last week of August? Or when did you go and hand your permit back at South African Airways? Um,
1: I don't want to say I've blocked it out, but uh, you know, I, I, the I just read that chapter. So, yeah, uh, yeah, just probably about two weeks ago. You're right, and um, yeah, Alex, you you might find the same. I don't know. I checked out in Cape Town. If it if it's the same as Johannesburg, I'm not sure. But what really, you know, you need closure. None of no. us wanted to stop flying there. It's just the way that the world is is the way that things are. It is what it is. We just had to yeah. adapt and and you know accept it. But um, you know, some, there's always something small that that. Hits and you remember that and I'll never forget the day that I walked in there and they said uh, you sign all these papers and you do all these things and and then they ask where's your permit and you know we've got two we've got the the SAID permit and then you've got the CMC the crew member certificate and as you know anywhere in the world you walk you it's like an FBI badge you flash that thing people let you through and it's amazing I mean that's really your golden ticket to just pass through an airport and shortest possible route and it literally opens doors for you. So, um, that, does. Um, you know, at, at the end of your checkout process, they said, where's your permits? And I, and I showed them and they said, you can just put them there. And um, I, I was actually send you the pick, but it was a big black rubbish bin. And you chuck your permit in there. And I, and that's when I realized, that's it. This is it. I, that means so much to me. I mean, if you forgot your permit, you can't go and apply for the day. They won't even let you through the, through the security so it ended up in the bin, and and i looked at that and i actually took my phone out and i took a photo of my permit lying amongst a million other ones just you know million but felt like it and um that's it and i i I came home and i i i was emotional i'm not even going to be um you know ashamed to say it i I was really emotional and and i just said to my family you know just let me be give me an hour or so um because this is it i'm not gonna Mm. sit and you know cry about this forever but right now I need this and yeah. uh, I woke up the next morning and laughed. that's it it's the new hand, we're playing this now and, and it's done and I have the fondest memories of the airline and I'm sure every single guy tuned in on this show can say the same, it, it's, been, it's been an
0: amazing amazing journey yeah, and just like the story of the motorcycle, it was someone's someone's dream and then it ended up in the farm rusting somewhere and luckily it didn't get burned, but then it came back to life and you restored it and, and and while that has a history and a story too, you know, part of the, your life's journey is this, I mean, it's a big chunk of time, 12 years at, at serving one, I mean, I always use the, the word serving, I've served it so that because to me it was, it, it, it is still and it was a service, like it you're providing a service to, to the company, to passengers, to the airline, to the, to the country, to the world, to aviation at large. And serving for 12 years, it's, it's not an insignificant amount of time. You know, your, your kids grew up in airline. You took them on flights with them. You've got photos of your kids in the cockpit, uh, that you're walking through an airport with the uniform. You know, you, you're proud. And, and I must say, I, I made the decision quite swiftly that I would go through with this, uh, you know, the, the severance, the early option of the severance. Um, to kind of get closure and, and to to move on and, and the noise that's going on now to, to say well it's been a great journey and and something else has opened up now and it's time to go. However, rewind about four weeks ago I, I got on an A-Link aircraft. I jump seated down to Port Elizabeth and I gotta be very honest with you, Freak, I was in my uniform, SAA was a different place because of COVID. So it looks a bit like a ghost town. You have to go in a funny entrance. But when I walked onto that airplane, I hadn't been on an airplane, like sort of you know, through the airports in South Africa for months now. When I got on that airplane with Airlink, the, the captain was in his last two weeks with Airlink, he just managed to fly again. I, I started doubting myself, like have I made the right decision? Because this is amazing. Start, taxi out, look at the windsock, it looks so beautiful. We're lining up on zero three left, which I've done so many times. I mean, the 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 feeling of power, the engines kicking in and accelerating that that jab into the seat and rotation and clapping it in the air, turning out for Port Elizabeth. You know, uh, Honestly, I question, I mean, I sat the whole way to PE writing notes in my, my notepad to do a 2,000-word article on just how amazing flight is. And I wondered, did I do the right thing? Did I, uh, was it too soon? You know, did I jump the gun yet? I don't know. Because right now, sitting in this airplane, I don't actually
1: know. So yes, well, it's a journey. I, I hear you, and um, the only thing that I can add is, I, I, we are obviously if enough people tell us we're super analytical. We want to know how something works, and if, it, if, if it's not working, we need to fix it. And you know, we we also taught to be five minutes or whatever ahead of any decision or thing that might happen in the in the aircraft. So you try to be ahead of the game the whole time. What if? What if? A little bit weird, actually, because I end up spending my life like that. You know, going away for a weekend. Um, and I take my dogs along. It's just something I do. You know, I just, it takes me two seconds, but, you know, you just Google um, the closest vet and take a screenshot of it. So should your dog get bitten by a snake or whatever, you know, you've got the details on your phone because everybody's going to panic. So it's just the way that you live. You anticipate and you you kind of plan ahead. And mm-hmm. I think this COVID and also, you know, where, where the airline went in the last couple of months, um, there's just nothing that you can do this powerless feeling of you know i'll fix it if i can but there's nothing we can do and i just don't know if i wanted to carry on with this uncertainty forever and Mm. um i just i just like you say you luckily i didn't fly in an an airliner because i might have had the same dart as you as you had Mm. um but um i firmly believe that there's I think we think that SAA is the be all end all and um, there isn't life after SAA and that's ridiculous because mm. we know that, that that there is and you don't you're not lucky, you make your own luck. So, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna walk around with my head down and just kick stones because I'll miss all the open doors. So I I did exactly that. Um I keep my head up high and you know, do what I can and and already opportunities knocked on my door and I'm actually quite proud to say I'm doing my first flight tomorrow um in corporate. Oh, so I am um, you have no idea. I'm um, really wondering what to take? So Can I tell you, Frick, so,
0: so, so about uh, within five days of that feeling, it took me a while to shake that feeling because it was a jump seat down from Joburg, an hour and a half on an the, on the Embraer. It was an hour and a half drive to the, the place I was going, Kenton. I mean, when I arrived there, my family was there ahead of me. I, you know, it took me the rest of the day to, like, to shake the feeling. The next day I woke up and I, I felt a bit better about my decision and the next day I felt even better. But within a week, I'd made contact with a flying school in, in Port Elizabeth. They fly a little sling aircraft, Madiba Bay Flying School. I met up with Ryan and, and Jerry, the owner there. And the next thing, I was in a sling, and we were going flying, and we had this live show in a sling, and we were taxiing out, and it just felt amazing. Like, I can't describe how amazing it felt to be strapped into an airplane again We didn't even get airborne. We had trouble. We had a mag drop on on the holding point. It felt like I flew. I felt I was like on cloud nine for about five days afterwards. It just felt amazing to strap into an airplane again. And that's the real beauty of flight. And I see Gideon's making a comment. He's saying, hmm, I think you should get a cub, Alex. Uh, I think so too, Gideon. I was just
1: about to say, "When are you coming (laughs) to get a cub, Alex? (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Because it couldn't be more basic. To climb into a yeah. cub um you've got four instruments and that the, the the pilot sits at the back and your passengers in the front you've got four instruments and as soon as your passenger climbs in you can't see any of them anyway because he blocks all of them so <laughs> um you know to, to think that you go from that to an airliner you know that's almost as long as a rugby field that's behind you um yeah. but you know somebody once said you know the distance from your nose to the dashboard doesn't change and that's so true it doesn't matter what you fly it's, yeah. it's flight. It's the magic of just, um, you know, being airborne. And it's like you're disconnected. You know, um, as soon as you're airborne, all the bull stays behind. It's all on the ground, the politics. We don't bring that into the cockpit, as you know. So that's all gone. We don't deal with it. And we just we just have fun and and um, respect each other and, and make the flight an absolute uh, blast. And I think that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I'm getting people saying, Poka Lehapa saying, I'm choking up based on our stories there. But I can tell you, Poka, I was uh, very close to choking up and I was a passenger just going from A to B and I was feeling it. And well, next week I'm handing back my permit too. And Rihanna said she also threw her permit in the box. 42 years, drop it in the box. That was very emotional. So that's why we're having this conversation, because next week it's my chance. And Tony once again saying, well done, thanks for sharing so much. Well, thank you, Freak. It's been actually, it's been a wonderful conversation. But despite the technical challenges, uh, Kelly, you're a very Sorry passionate about individual. <laughs> no, it, it's It's been great to share and people can see that you are attention to detail, but, but it's actually more about the story and the, the what does this thing represent in the world rather than an item? You know, it, it has a story and, and you have a story and we have a shared story at South African Airways and I and, uh, wish you all the best with, we didn't even mention. So is it... Um, it's FD Classic Works. Is that the name? Is that correct? How do people get yes, a hold of the
1: it? it's uh, it, It's it's actually um, the whole full long name is Final Drive Classic Works, and the Final Drive is a specific part on a BMW. Being a um, call it a diff. Some some technical people will shoot you for calling it a, a differential, but um, it's a it's a, it's a final drive, which is a chainless uh, you know um, system on a on up to the latest models as well. They still have a drive shaft. So yeah, so Final Drive is where the name came from. But uh, yeah, FT Classic Works. We in Cape Town, and uh, we are about to double space now. We got the factory next door. We got a full manufacturing plant going on, making discontinued BMW parts, restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even get to all of it, but but it's exciting stuff. And um, please, if anyone, if you find yourself in Cape Town, especially you, Alex, come and fly the cup <laughs> And the, the doors always open. We Gideon, Gideon's famous saying, life's too short for bad, last too long, rather, for bad coffee. He's right. So uh, we've got some good coffee going here. So please, uh, anyone pop in. You're more than welcome. Awesome. Well, thanks,
0: Rick. I appreciate it. I'm definitely taking you up on the cup, the coffee, the motorbikes, the factory, the, the story. Your, your room looks amazing there, too. Thanks so much for sharing Heritage Day with me on the show. Thank you for all the listeners, too. I wish you all the best at Final Drive, Rick, and, and uh, we'll catch up sometime in Cape Town soon.
1: Thank you, Alex. Enjoy your bra. appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening. I'm excited to have you on this journey with us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and remember to subscribe to the show to catch weekly episodes so that you can build your high-performance team.